Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion today, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience of Smith Weekly, including Craig S., Paul M., and Jackie A. On Smith Weekly Discussions today is Mr. Chris Bunzik. Chris is the president and CEO of Intera Copper, a new exploration company that just closed the acquisition of Alta Verde Copper and its exploration assets in Chile, including Trace Maria's Pitbull and Zenaida projects. The company also holds some exploration projects in Canada. The company is currently listed on the Canadian Securities Exchange under the symbol IMCX and also on the U.S. OTC markets under the symbol IMIMF. Chris, welcome to the program. Andrew, thanks very much for having me. Chris, first time on the program. Why don't we kick it off here by, for the audience, of course, uh, just briefly, why don't you just touch on the background and also your work in the natural resource sector? Great. Thank you. So Alta Verde Copper is a story that we got together uh, in, back in late 2021 when there were a number of ex-Freeport executives that I'm working with said, you know what, we know that Freeport is getting out of the exploration game in Chile and they're focusing more on their advanced stage projects. Why don't we go and have a look at some of their exploration assets and use those as a basis to form a new copper-focused company? And so, you know, they looked at about 32 different projects in Chile and cherry picked the three that they thought had the most promise and, uh, and made a bid to Freeport. And of course, Freeport MacMoran is, is one of the major copper producers globally. They have, um, a number of major producing assets, uh, a, 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 in Indonesia, of course, is their, their main, their main, um, mine Grassberg. They had a, a number of assets in Africa and Chile, uh, Alabras in Chile, for example. And so they have a, a big stable of projects. So we went back and looked at um, them, picked three and made a bid, were successful. And that's when we formed the company, raised some capital and spent the last couple of years uh, advancing those projects technically, as well as closing on that transaction, building our team. And now we're at the point where we are going public uh, or have gone public in this process with Intera Copper. And uh, in that process, I came on as the CEO. Um, and my director, Rick Gittleman, has come on the board as well. And we are, you know, in the process of building this company out, looking to expand our platform here with uh, the projects that we have, our current exploration program planned at Tres Marias, as well as looking for additional copper assets in the future. My background, um, I was the CEO of Ascendant Resources up until uh, May of 2021. And uh, we had the El Machito mine in Honduras, which was an operating mine that we had acquired from Nearstar, as well as the Lagoa Salgada project in Portugal, which is a large VMS project that's, uh, that's currently um, under development. The El Machito mine that we acquired back in 2016 from Nearstar was uh, a very interesting story. We, we bought that mine for very little money, raised $40 million turned it around within 12 months, doubled our production and made it free cash flow positive. So that it was a real success story. Um, you know, after, after a few years of operations there, we identified some good projects to, uh, expand the, uh, expand production and also get our costs down. But I think the markets were not really favorable for zinc at the time. We found it difficult to finance and ultimately sold those, uh, sold those assets. 
so I've been in the resource game, you know, prior to El Machido and prior to Ascendant uh, since 2013 uh, at a number of different companies. Uh, prior to that, I was an equities analyst at two different brokerages here in Toronto uh, as a, a, an equities analyst. And um, I've got, you know, my MBA, my CFA, so I'm, I'm all uh, papered up with my finance education, but I'm also an engineer uh, going back to my, uh, my origin story, um, working at a number of different engineering firms. That's a great overview and appreciate the background. And yeah, Freeport, you bring them up and this is an important piece to the introduction of this company, but it sure would be great to see Freeport go after some monster assets again. And as you know, a lot of the big assets around the world have a lot of hair on them, but certainly can be advanced. And it would be great to see them, you know, start to replace Grassberg with a new monster asset. And, and we definitely have a few of those out there. So it'd be great to see Freeport as the cycle progresses. Uh, continue to you know live on that legacy as Grassberg starts to wind down and the Indonesian government starts to you know continue to leverage uh, themselves into that asset. Anyway, for another conversation, let's stay on Ontario here. Why don't you just talk a little bit more detail here? And I want to come back to people in a moment and cover off some of the folks there that you've brought on. But you know, talk about the transaction with Alto Verde in terms of the cap structure, uh, deal highlights the financing that went with this and just cover all that off for the audience who is obviously most folks I'm sure in our audience are new to this. We first signed a, our LOI with Intera Copper uh, back December of 2022. And, you know, we worked through that process. We, you know, one of the things that was contingent on was uh, a financing. So throughout uh, January, we were hitting the market, telling the story, and we raised uh, just shy of $3 million Canadian to, uh, you know, shore up the coffers um, and, and, you know, advance the transaction. And uh, subsequent to that, we, we completed the definitive agreement with Intera. At that point, um, you know, there was just some closing paperwork to do. And of course, the uh, we had an alternative shareholder meeting and subsequent to all of that work, uh, we started trading in, in late March. So the transaction itself, uh, we the Altaverde shares were rolled up at uh, 0.2512 to one, and so uh, you know just just sh just shy of four to one on a roll up basis, uh, combined with Alt uh, with uh, Intera, uh, for about forty six percent of the pro forma company pre financing, and then we raised two point nine million shares, uh, sorry two point nine million dollars at fifty cents per Intera share, with a seventy five cent half warrant. Um, it's a three-year half warrant. It's got a an accelerator on it at $1.25. So after the stock trades above $1.25 for more than 10 days straight, um, there is a uh, there's a quick accelerator so that we can get some extra cash in the door. And I think the intent there was to give enough of a window to get through a lot of the market noise that's you know been part of the part of the problem for all of these junior uh, explorers uh, the the past you know 18 months, um, but also you know, make sure that there wasn't too much of a warrant overhang out there. So, you know, no, no long dated warrants. And so that's the reason for the accelerator. And I think it's going to be helpful to get a little extra cash in the door as we're exploring uh, in Chile. And, uh, you know, I, the only other thing I'd say about the Enteric Copper um, share structure as a result is that we are very, it's a very tight share structure. Um, we are, you know, only approximately 25 million shares outstanding. Um, and so, you know, we have a very healthy market cap. We've got uh, a lot of room to rise on the back of, you know, strong marketing activities, strong success out of Chile and Canada in the future, uh, and going back and looking for additional assets. 
and, and I guess that brings me to the point about Freeport. Um, we have a very strong relationship with Freeport and it's an ongoing relationship. We have three major uh, executives that came from Freeport. So Rich Lavelle was the former VP exploration for Freeport proper, the, the, the top guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Gittleman is a board member uh, of Antera and he was, he's a former M&A lawyer and he was the chief administrator over at uh, the 10K mine in the DRC. Um, and also uh, Mike Churchillo is on the board of advisors. He is, uh, he's, he's a former, he is an operator. He, uh, he was the general manager at Alabra. He built the 10K mine with Rick, who he handed it over to. Uh, and so he's a very strong individual as well and very senior. Uh, we've got relationships, you know, up to the top levels. And so the goal here is to go back to Freeport and have further conversations around assets that we, we know they have because of our team. Uh, and, and see what we can do in terms of advancing uh, those discussions. Chris, that sounds really good. Pretty interesting story here. And I've been, of course, following it a little bit here. And of course, this is what led to this uh, podcast and definitely excited to see what happens here with respect to the startup and the initial focus, which I believe is going to be a Trace Berea's project. Let's go into that just for a moment. Uh, Talk about the projects that, of course, came from Freeport, which you talked about earlier, and what that immediate focus is um, coming out of this transaction and financing. Thank you. I I think the principal project certainly is Trace Marias. And when we took the project over from Freeport, we looked at their old data. They had some geophysics that they'd done that was a little bit dated. And the first thing we did was reinterpret that data using new computer techniques. And so what came out of that was that we identified not just one target area on this 16,000 hectare property, but in fact, three. And so there's the the initial target area that's over in the east, calling it the, the eastern target. Uh, there's a, a central target and there's a western target area. And they're all very sizable. So each of them on their own would be worthy of a, a project. And so looking at those three different areas, we said, okay, well, let's, let's go fly some UAV mag and let's go do some surface IP. And the results of, of those two studies, which basically overlapping geophysics of, of different types, uh, really you know, crystallized for us these anomalies that exist in the eastern, central, and western parts of, the, of this concession. It's a very large concession. And so the, the goal here, really based on based on that analysis is to follow up with a drill program that we've designed. We've got a 20 hole program. Uh, it's about 10,500 meters and we'll do that in a phased approach. Um, so the first phase we are planning to kick off in the coming months and that will focus on the Eastern part where we have done the most amount of work, um, leading up to, uh, the kickoff of the drill program. And as that's underway, uh, we will focus on Pitbull a little bit. Um, so, you know, the Eastern drill program will get started. Pitbull is an earlier stage project. We've got, uh, we've got, uh, 2000 hectares up close to the Cabrera Blanca mine, which is Tex mine up next to Colahassee, um, up in the Northern part of Chile, where it, it, there's a huge mineral endowment. And so we think we've got some great land there. Uh, you know, we've done a little bit of work, uh, on, on surface when we were up there preparing our technical report, uh, we, we took some grab samples. Mind you, you're kind of looking for, you're seeing things and you're grabbing them and taking them home with you. So they're, they're not representative of what ne- might necessarily be there. But the fact is we saw artisanal workings. We saw some old drill holes that had been drilled that we 
don't have the results for, but the grab samples came back with very interesting numbers, kind of north of 1% copper and north of 2% in some cases. So these are things that are all worth following up on. You can see the copper oxides on the surface. So the plan at Pitbull is uh, an initial geophysics program just to identify on that property where we think the most opportunity is. And we can see from surface, there's an old riverbed, which might be indicative of some faulting that's happening under surface. So, you know, that's, that's highly prospective too. Um, after we finish a little bit of uh, geophysics at Pitbull, we'll return back to Trace Marias and continue on with that drill program. The goal there is to drill off, finish off the east, drill off the central portion and, and the western portions of the property in time. A few follow-up questions there. How do you look at just kind of the process here? Do you guys, is the plan to try to get uh, some initial good results out there? Talk about just your target selection here in terms of how you guys are going about trying to optimize this first drill program to hopefully uh, come up with something that gets the market a bit excited. And let me just couple that with just overall sentiment, which you know has been in the dumpster. We had a slight perk up at the start of the year, but it's come right back down really the entire natural resource sector. And of course, as you know, these individual companies that have really good company-specific success uh, can actually do really well and get a lot of attention. So just kind of talk about the sentiment, talk about the copper environment we're in right now, and then you know how you guys plan to drive this pretty hard this year and, and hopefully come up with some good results, and then from there be able to finance a bigger program. That's the challenge, and I, I think we've got a bit of a unique story here. Now, now it's unique for a number of reasons that the projects that we've that we've selected are are all you know very good projects that Freeport had. So we're we're excited about the opportunity. I mean, one thing I'll say is that our country manager Oscar in Chile is uh, is former Freeport, and he actually wrote the report on Tres Marias um, back when he worked for Freeport. So it's um, you know, we have a little bit of a leg up there. He's very excited about the project um, to begin with. So, I mean, that's that that makes us, you know, very optimistic as well. Uh, and and he's he's chiefly involved in putting a lot of, a lot of these parameters together. Um, you know, I think what we need to do is while we have all these targets, you know, you know, cash is king. I think we need to be selective and prioritize as you, as you were describing, and we need to be telling this story. So, I mean, part of this is making sure that there are enough eyeballs on the results when the results do come out. And so, you know, this I'll be doing a lot of marketing and a lot of spreading the word over the coming months. Um, and that's all part of, you know, the job. Going back to uh, a lot of our network in terms of additional opportunities is going to be important as well. We need to show that despite the commodity market, uh, the, the, the kind of doldrums you're describing, um, there's a lot of opportunity for growth here, uh, both with the assets with that we have and, and the assets that we, we can go and get. And um, that's a story that we need to communicate. And I think that sets us apart from the rest. Chris, no, I think that's good. And definitely a lot of opportunities here. And you have the uh, just the overall energy market is probably the only place right now that's really still surviving. And of course, that would tie in with natural resources here. How about this, Chris? Any intention to look out in parallel you know, in some of your discussions out there with other parties, is there any intention to look at other projects in other jurisdictions? I mean, we've got, of course, Canada here as one jurisdiction and we've got Chile, but how about uh, maybe a third jurisdiction? Is that on your radar? Is that of any interest now or is the main focus to just uh, work on Catrice Maria's and the Chile projects? Well, I'd say this. I, I've got a I've got a dedicated team looking at Chile uh, in in and advancing Tres Marias and the other projects in Chile. Uh, I've got with 
with the the guys that came along with Intera, I've got a, a, a solid team in here in Canada that's able to uh, be looking at advancing the projects we have here as well as you know potentially others. Um, but I I would couple that with the fact that we're opportunistic. We're looking for those good opportunities where we can add value without blowing out our capital structure, and we're looking to do you know good deals. And I I you know I think that our priority would would try to be North South Central America. But for the right opportunity, we're willing to depart. So, uh, again, it's it's a matter of being opportunistic and and knowing that we're focused on the projects we have, but also keeping our eyes open for for those those other options. Very well, that'll be good to see what happens on that front as well, Chris. And I know that you're active there, so looking forward to seeing uh, what results come out of that. How about to the Canada projects here? BC is a checkered jurisdiction at this point, uh, but not bad. Do you think these projects, these exploration projects in Canada, are these something that you would look to divest of, Chris, via outright sale, JV, or earn-in, or are these projects worth keeping and continuing to advance? Well, I think the Thane project is very interesting. It's got six um, distinct target areas. It's a it's a 200 square kilometer piece of uh, land that's uh, nestled between Mount Milligan and Chemis in the, the Quizzle terrain. So, I, you know, I think that it's a it's a very prospective project. I think that their you know work is not required until 2028. They've done a lot of work on the property, and so uh, we've got time to to figure out next steps. Um, however, it's a highly prospective project. So, you know, I'm not I'm not looking to divest of that. Um, look to assess as time goes on. With respect to listings here, what's your thoughts on listing upgrades? Uh, you know, US OTC obviously is there. Um, limited to some degree, Chris, but but really I'd like to just get your frank opinion of the CSE and really the listing upgrade part to the TSXV, which while a lot more regulatory headache and red tape at the TSXV, they still have, in my view, probably the better option, but is an upgrade in the plan, say, over the next 12 months? I don't think we have anything definitive in the next 12 months. So there are no plans, but I'll just give you my opinion on the exchanges. Firstly, in the U.S., we are DTC eligible and blue skied. So we've got a good potential for volume and trading in, in the U.S. On, on the OTC listing. In Canada, the CSE is a great exchange for entrepreneurs. And I think that I think that they're 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 willing to work with their their listed companies as that as those companies grow, and I'm I'm happy to be listed on the CSC in the short term. Um, I've operated companies on now the CSC, the TSX Venture, and the TSX. Um, so you know, as we grow this company, my personal opinion right now at this point in our development is really stay on the CSE until that such time that we need to uplist, and when we uplist, go straight to the TSX. That would be my plan. You know, I would have to hang that on something, and and currently there's there's nothing to hang that on. No, that sounds good. I appreciate you covering that off, and you know, I share the view that the CSE is reasonable with respect to to little red tape, which is always refreshing. The reality is, is you know, I've tried for many years with the CSE to try to get them to look at global broker access. I'm talking big brokers outside of Canada, and the reality is, is is while the United States has its problems. It still is by far, by far, the largest capital markets in the world. And for the CSE to be able to do work with people outside of Canada and get the transparency and you know the reputation that they need, I hope they hear this. They need to do more work on that because this has been a conversation that's been ongoing for probably six or seven years. And when I talk to a big global broker that handles lots of institutions outside of Canada and they say, 
sorry, we're just not going to do the CSE. That means someone's not talking and not working on this. And so I hope that they start working in that direction because, you know, institutions, bankers, uh, brokers, I mean, you know, uh, everybody's got their opinions on this. And I'd like to see the CSE compete better and more. I think if you guys can move straight to TSX on the back of company-specific success, I think that would be great. Just to uh, talk schedule here, Chris, maybe just give us the anticipated schedule of objectives that you plan to have accomplished now that this company's out and rolling. What do you guys expect to see done, say, over the next 12 months? Uh, you know, I really think the next 12 months will be f focused on the items I described earlier with respect to Treas Marius and, and a little bit of geophysics at Pitbull. Um, I, I expect that, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to hit uh, a number of targets in the East that we think are are very, you know, very viable targets based on what, the work so far. We're, we're, we're excited to see what comes from that. That will drive a lot of the decisions, you know, that come following, um, following. And I, I think that at the same time, in parallel, we'll be looking to to see what else we can do to, you know, accelerate on our our plans. I, ultimately, the the goal of the team is to, uh, you know, have some advanced stage projects or some production over the course of the next four or five years, and that's going to take a lot of work between now and then. So it's difficult to say. In the meantime, you know, the, the assets that we do have, we're going to advance and we feel very strongly that they have a, a great potential to be successful. Well, to wrap up, Chris, here, um, short of anything else you'd like to add, for potential investors who are listening in, Enteric Copper is expected to have a post-transaction market capitalization of about 11 million Canadian. Why should investors consider the company at this stage? Look, I think that the the valuation uh, at which we're trading is very low as to compared to where it could be. We have a very tight capital structure, as I described. We we have shareholders who have been in the name for a long time or who have invested recently, and so the expectation is that you know we're all here for we're all here to win. There is not a lot of you know, paper out there that that's cycling. I think that that the pricing is is very reasonable. We we don't have a lot of guys who have you know cycled through the name. So so right now we're we're at the cheapest valuation that you're going to get the story. And as we have success, there's a lot of room to rise here given our limited valuation and and where we think we can go based on where the comps go when when they have success. Right? We could be thinking blue sky, like we could be substantially higher than where we are now. I guess I shouldn't put any numbers behind it. But, um, you know, the, there's a lot of room for ri the rise here. And I think the downside on the, on conversely is quite limited. So I think that uh, it, it's a great shot. We've got a great shot. We've got a fantastic team. Um, we've got a solid capital structure, as I mentioned, and we're looking to do big things. So, you know, really, we, we hit all three in the sense that all, th all three kind of pillars when you're looking at a company like this is, you know, what's the management team like, of course, uh, you know, what, what are the projects like, and then what, what's their financial situation like? And, and I think we take all those boxes. What is the best way for interested parties to reach out to the company? You know, I, I think the best way is to uh, contact the uh, investors at enterocopper.com email address. You know, we, we do monitor that. And I think if there's a broad distribution on this, I think that's probably the best way to uh, to reach out. And, and we will certainly get back to anybody who has any questions. Chris, thank you for the time. Let's stay in touch and uh, best of luck out there. Great. Thanks very much, Andrew. Appreciate it.